CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the Nasdaq market side on this expiration Friday. The guys here getting ready behind me. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up on the show. According to Carter Worth, something in the chart suggests there may be no happy meal for investors. He'll break it down. Plus, risk one to make five? Dan Nathan has a way to do just that. If chip stocks move just 8%, he'll break it down. And Ralph Lauren shares are nearing one-year highs. But if you miss the move, relax. Mike Coe has a way to get long for just two bucks. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. All right, let's start off with a look at one of the hottest groups of stocks in the markets that suddenly, well, are not. We're talking chips. The SMH Semiconductor ETF down more than 8% from its recent high. This, as a number of names in the group, trade in correction territory or worse. Applied Materials plunging off its earnings report last night. Now in bear market, Broadcom, Advanced Micro, Micron all flirting with disaster. So should you stay away from this chip wreck? Let's get in the money right now. Dan, what do you say? I think so. You know, you just said it's down 8% from its all-time highs made a couple months ago, but it's really had this really nice bounce over the last month or so. So to me, the way I think about this is, um, you know, this AMAT news today was really bad. And uh, just the reaction to the news was really bad. They printed a quarter where sales were up 29% year over year, and they guided down the current quarter sales down only two and a quarter percent. The stock's down eight and a quarter percent. That's a little crazy. That's investors getting a little uneasy about the guidance that they're hearing. And I just want to give you an event that's happening next week. One of the biggest uh, bull stories in all of chips is Micron. They're going to host an analyst meeting um, next week. And this is a company, when they reported in late March, they had a beaten raise and the stock sold off 8% the next day, still down considerably from its recent highs. So I think this sets up pretty interesting. If Micron can't rally after its um, analyst meeting next week, I think you have a situation with this chart of the SMH where it really does look like a head and shoulders top here. You could see this thing come back below 100, possibly as low as 95 last month's low here. So here's the trade. We're going to use a butterfly structure. We're going to talk about this a little bit tonight here. But right now, um, I want to talk about what exactly a butterfly is. It's buying a put spread and it's selling a put spread. And the guts in the middle of that um, are kind of kind of overlap a little bit. But let me tell you exactly the trade. Today, when the SMH closed at 104.55. You can look at July expiration and buy the July 105.95.85 put butterfly for about $2. Um, what I'm doing here is I'm buying one of the July 105 puts at $3.80. I'm selling two of the July 95 puts. So two of those, okay, at 105 each or 210 total. And then I'm buying one way out of the money. July 85 put for 30 cents. You do the math, that costs you $2, all right? You're not gonna be doing this individually. You're gonna put it in your online system and you're gonna price up a $10 wide butterfly, okay? Your break evens are down at 103. That's the $2 in premium, less than 105 strike, you're long. Your max gain is at that 95, at the middle part of the butterfly. You can make up to $8, okay? You can actually make up to $8 in July expiration between 95 and 87. And then again, you risk $2 
between 87 and 85. Your worst case scenario, the stock is below 85. That's not going to happen between now and July expiration. You lose that $2 or above 105, you lose that $2. You are risking right here. You think about it. The stock closed at 104.55. You're risking $2 to make a very near the money bet and playing for a move back to that support at $95. We don't often talk about yeah. the structure, so I don't want to gloss over it too much, but I think the key, and when I was learning options, when this show first started, and I'm still learning options, by the way, <laughs> um, the thing to remember is that you sell the guts. The guts of the butter, the middle part is what you sell and you buy the wings. The, gen, the general rule with options is that if you're targeting a direction, you want the underlying or you're expecting the underlying to run to your short strikes, which in the case of a fly are the gut strikes that he just talked about. You know, one of the things about a butterfly that we sometimes say is that you're trying to thread the needle a little bit because, in theory, you're targeting a specific price at a specific point in time. In this case, $95 in two months. With an index or an index proxy like SMH, that can actually make a lot of sense, though, because consider what kind of a move that is. You're making a bet that it's going to decline approximately 10% over the course of two months. Take a look at the, at the trading range mm -hmm. for the semiconductor holders index, and what you're going to see is that that's essentially the lower end of that, of that range. So, And the reason you buy that way out of the money put, by the way, is that's the disaster protection. All right, Let's say it runs to the 95, and it just keeps on going. That's essentially what protects you to the downside in case the move is a lot bigger than you're expecting. And basically what we know is happening is that this very important leading index is essentially stuck at its 1999-2000 high. The peak was March 10th of 2000. And basically, if you look at a 20-year chart, for the better part of a year, year and a half, we've been churning at that level. It has all the elements of a double top. And the chart, of course, that, that Dan has for us is uh, the perspective beginning of a head and shoulders top on a on an intermediate basis, and we know you're getting drops and gaps out of Avago, AMAT, and if you net out Intel, which is one of the biggest weights, the index doesn't even look as good as it is. It's it's a it's a problem. Well, I'll throw out the, the second biggest weight is Taiwan Semi, and that thing That's, can't. It's down yeah. almost 20 percent from its highs. They're the ones who make these chips for people who outsource them that go into smartphones, that sort of thing. Here's the thing about this trade. This is really about fundamentals. It's not about my charts and my lines and this and that. Or whatever. They help inform the strikes of this trade structure. But if we get the fundamentals story right. And if Micron can't rally next week after, let's say, good good news at their analyst meeting, then investors are going to start discounting this cycle to be ending sooner than later. And then you are going to want to be short. One of the biggest outperforming groups in technology, even though they're cheap stocks, they're cheap for a reason. They're very cyclical. All right. Well, from chip dips to French fries, Jack in the Box falling nearly 4% today after reporting disappointing earnings. The company blaming the miss in part on rising potato prices. Let's get to Dom Chu in the newsroom for all the details. Hey, Dom. Well, we might not be getting bigger indicators of accelerating inflation in some data points, but rising costs are certainly being noticed when it comes to the restaurant business. A number of companies in the industry have already made mention of rising input costs during the course of their earnings release reports or, or conducting conference calls. And Melissa, you mentioned that jack-in-the-box and, and them talking about the rising costs, especially in things like potatoes. Well, the company thinks it's going to be a problem not just for them, but their competitors for the balance of the year as well. Duncan Brands also mentioned rising commodity costs impacting profit margins for ice cream, more specifically. And McDonald's has also said that commodity costs were higher last quarter, and it expects a full-year increase of around 2%. 
but that it does see some of those pressures easing in the back half of the year. Now, it's important to note that it's not necessarily every restaurant company that's as worried about the current inflation environment. For example, you got Darden Restaurants, which is the parent company of Olive Garden and the Longhorn Steakhouse. Well, it said during its earnings call that it hasn't seen a lot of commodity inflation, but that one place they are seeing rising cost pressure is in food distribution, as a truck driver shortage has driven up the cost for getting all that food around to all of its restaurants. So, Melissa, when it comes to investing in restaurants, traders and investors will be keeping and that watchful eye on whether food costs show signs of accelerating to the upside. Remember, prime costs at restaurants, that is food combined with labor, are big and key. Back over to you guys. All right, Dom, thanks. Have a great weekend. So should we be worried about the fast food space? Well, Carter, why don't you head over to the plaza and break it down for us? Well, I mean, restaurants in general have struggled. And obviously, if you're going to really get it down to potatoes, uh, you know, McDonald's, period, bar none, hard stop, is the biggest consumer of potatoes. And... Let's take it from the broad to the uh, narrow. Here you have every stock listed in the Russell 3000 that is designated as a restaurant, 41 in total, 333 billion. So names, names you know, uh, not potatoes here, but coffee. The point is these are the big, big brands, McDonald's, Wendy, Yum, Chipotle, Starbucks, and so forth and so on. Domino's, Dunkin', Shake Shack. Dave and Buster's, Sonic, and that's just a sampling. So this is the who's who. It's every one that, again, is listed, 41 stocks. And I want to just uh, take a look at this index. It's these securities, Plotted Equal Weight, which basically, and here's the thing, haven't made a whole lot of progress in the better part of three years. In fact, this is a five-year chart. So to put that in perspective, what I've done is I've given you a relative chart to the S&P 500. And if we put in a line which really depicts this. What we know is that relative performance peaked in 2015, and even as the, basically the aggregate is down slightly, onch, relative performance to equities as an asset class has been nothing short of uh, disastrous. So which brings us to the biggest uh, player on the board in terms of restaurants, one of the great winners of all time, just to put that in perspective, take a look, of course, what it's done relative to the S&P, but the here and now is the issue. McDonald's is stalling, has stalled, and the risk is that there's more to go. Back to relative performance. So what we know is that McDonald's, even as it has ascended for the better part of a year and a half, never was able to make relative highs to the market. So that it's the definition of no alpha. Even though one's making money, the opportunity cost was greater than the money made because you could have made more money somewhere else or equities in general. So tying it all together, here's the chart here and now. Here, I think, is the way you can draw the lines. And what we know is this is a fairly well-defined break in trend. We bounced off this line once, twice, three times. And then instead of bouncing here, we cracked. And to my eye, we really are setting up for, talk about head and shoulders, this is prospectively a pretty massive head and shoulders top for McDonald's. There's your neckline. And the bet would be that we're headed lower, not higher. All right. Well, Mike, doesn't look good according to the charts. No. So, you know, it's interesting. McDonald's obviously had been doing very well recently, and for some good fundamental reasons, they were doing a lot of refranchising. They were looking to save a lot of SGNA expense. They were actually ahead of schedule on both of those projects. They for brought a long in time. fresh beef hamburgers. Well, it, it's, wait and, it's wait and see how that translates to the bottom line. But those other two items were well underway. They were ahead of schedule, and they were really working. But there is only so much of that you can do. Once you've refranchised everything, and once you've cut $500 million in SGNA, 
where do you go from there? The real story is, is the top line going to grow thereafter? And the answer to that is probably not. It is, of course, a little bit of a real estate play when you think about it as well because of the way they structure their business. I was thinking of using a structure similar to Dan's. Mine's a little bit different, though. So I'm using what's called a broken wing put butterfly. Broken wing broken put, wing put butterfly. butterfly. And specifically, the one I was looking at was the July 160, 150, 145 put fly. Buying one of the 160s, selling two of the 150s, and then covering the bottom part of that by buying the 145 put. Notice that the distance between the strikes is different. And why this is kind of critically important is because actually this is not a situation where you can actually lose money if it goes too far too fast, which you can with a conventional fly. In this case, once it gets down below your break even, it's going to be profitable. Your profits will trail off a little bit below that short strike. That's the, still the sweet spot. But no matter what happens, if the thing really falls out of bed, this trade ends up being profitable. You're spending $2.20 for that. Most could be worth is 10, but even if it goes down below that 145 strike, you're still making money. And the idea behind selling those two options, by the way, is that you're trying to collect decay. Out of the money options will decay, and by buying one at the money or close to it, selling those other two, that's sort of the way you can make a fly trade and make How sure you don't have <laughs> no, you know, you know, it's funny, we, we really, it's, it's been a couple years, I feel like we talked about this, but it's a really smart trade. I use them a lot. It's one of the things where you want... Specifically, yeah, a butterfly. wing, well, no, but, but, butterflies but his, his variance on it, it makes a lot of sense, yeah. because my scenario is, you know, if the stock's up or way down, you can lose money. If the stock goes down in a very wide range, you're going to make money you can't lose. I, I just think the most important thing is we're using this strategy because we don't want to buy out of the money premium and watch it decay. We want very near the money participation. And to keep us in the game over the next month or two, you are selling two out of the money at a level where you think that it's probably not a high probability that it's going to be below that by our expiration. Yeah, and that's right. And that, that lower strike that you buy also is going to reduce essentially your margin requirements significantly because the downside risk is, is mitigated. You can't lose if it goes all the way to zero, this stock. So you're going to be making money in that case. Maybe not as much as you would if you get the 10% decline we're angling for, but still win. All right. Got a question out there. Send us a tweet to at Options Action. And for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our super cool newsletter. Carter says it's more exciting than the royal wedding. So don't be the only one missing out on this thing. Here's what's coming up next. My coach chose a way to get long Ralph Lauren shares for just two bucks. He'll break it down. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Retail's on a bit of a hot streak, although falling today. Check out the XRT retail ETF up more than 3% this month and outperforming the broader markets. And it could be make or break time for the group as we head into a very busy week for earnings. Check out some of the names that could see the wildest moves. The options market implying a 7% move in either direction for Ralph Lauren and Gap, around 8% for Michael Kors, around 10% for Foot Locker and Urban Outfitters. So... Should you shop for any of these names ahead of the reports? The always fashionable Mike Coe is at the plaza right now for call to action. Mike. Oh, there, yeah, so we're going to take a look at Ralph Lauren here. And as you were just pointing out, there are some pretty significant implied moves. And when those implied moves are large, what does that tell us? Options are expensive. We still want to be able to use them. How do we go about doing that? So number one, Ralph Lauren, 7.2% implied move on earnings is what I saw when I was looking at this earlier today. I want to make a bullish bet in this stock. And the other thing is we are up about 11% since the beginning of the year. 
worst case, if I do end up owning it, I'd like to own it closer to where it began than where it is right now. And I think we can use a call spread risk reversal to accomplish this. We can take a look at where the stock is. It was about 115 or so at the close today. We can see that right around here, we're looking at the 100 level essentially is the downside. And right up here, we're right around 120 is essentially the upside that we're going to be targeting. So the trade specifically that I was taking a look at was the 105, 115, 125 call spread risk reversal. You can buy the 115 calls for five, then sell the 125 calls for $1.50 and the 105 puts for $1.50. Net, you're going to spend about two bucks. You're going to see profits if it is above 117. And critically, where you're going to be put the stock is down here around 105. Remember what we just talked about in terms of how much we expected this stock to move on earnings, maybe 7, maybe 8%. So what you see is that we're essentially participating on an upside move of about that size. We're going to miss most of the losses on a downside move of about that size. And finally, if we do have the stock put to us, it's going to be down around this 105 level, not far above where the stock began the year. So this is a way you can make a bullish bet and participate to the upside from here and essentially own it where it began the year if it doesn't work. And finally, let's just quickly go ahead and take a look at what the probabilities are here. So first of all, one of the things we can see is stock was 115. So it's basically 100% chance that it's going to get there. We can also see that it's about a 40% chance that it gets up to that 125 strike that we're short and about a 48% chance that it touches that 105 put that we're short. But actually, the likelihood that it expires below that level is probably significantly lower than that. So that by selling these two options, we've increased the probability that this trade is profitable quite significantly. What do you think of Mike's trade? So, so this is really important. We talk about the different uses of equity options when we're thinking about what to do with a stock. And one of the main ones here that Mike's describing is really risk management. So he's created a trade structure based on the probability of outcomes, based on what the options market is implying for this thing. He's selling it a put at a level that if he was put there down at 105 or essentially 107 plus the premium, um, this is better than if he was to buy it right here at 115. But the call spread gives him the opportunity to participate very near the money. So I would view this as almost a long stock replacement and using it for risk management purposes rather than buying the stock here. So I like the trade structure if you like the story and you want to be long and into the event. And in terms of the, its setup, it, it has a common circumstance with so many beaten down retailers, meaning a peak three to five years ago, a long decline, in this case a 60, 70 percent uh, wipeout, and then a gradual bottoming out, which is what's been going on in things like Abercrombie and, and, and Under Armour, and we have it here yet again. And the presumption is that the bottoming out process is not complete, right? So we're, we break up potential to a new high. I think the setup is good. You know, the, one of the things you can definitely see in stocks like this is that real money is basically supporting the stock, even though if you look at the fundamentals on a trailing basis, they don't look that good. You know, this is the exact opposite situation as what you see in something like Campbell's Soup, mm. where it looks cheap on a trailing basis, but everybody's fleeing the stock because there's more trouble ahead. All right. Still ahead, energy stocks were on a tear soaring nearly 15% in the last few months. But could the rally be running out of steam? We've got all the details. Plus, got a question for one of our traders. I know you do. So send us a tweet to add options action. If it's nice, we can read it later on in the show. We are live at the NASDAQ market site in New York City's Times Square. Much more options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Check out the XLE, the, the energy ETF soaring to fresh 52-week high this week. The group has been on a tear in the last few months, but that's not such great news for Cohen Carter, who bet the rally was running out of steam back in April. 
the ETF XLE, which captures the sector, it's a perfect double top. As we know, it failed almost precisely where it rallied to, and now we're reapproaching it. We're almost at the top of the line. My hunch is that you write calls or sell, you know, this kind of thing, because we're likely to work into the apex further. I think it's going to go quiet here after surging. What I was looking at was the May-January 73 put spread. You could spend $5 to buy those January 73 puts and then sell the Mays against it. Well, the XLE is up more than 6% since then. So, Mike, how are you managing the trade? You know, this is a situation where we wanted to take a longer-term bearish bet, but we had a feeling that we might be range-bound in the near term. Obviously, it actually ended up continuing higher. But what you can do is you can continue to sell some nearer-dated puts against the one that we own, basically offset that decay and, and bet that maybe we, we are at a near-term top here. I mean, it's gotten steeper. First of all, we've been smoked because crude got a lot stronger, obviously, since we put the trade on. The issue is, is it now even more vulnerable, being steeper than it was? I think we stick around and see what we can, we can yeah, get. Yeah, it's important to remember that about a month and a half ago, you could have bought as much of this as you wanted at 65. Now it's at 78. These guys weren't so far off the mark here. So the idea that Mike owns that January out-of-the-money put keeps selling shorter-dated out-of-the-money puts against it and keep whittling down that premium at risk. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Time for a tweet. A first fan says, I got assigned on a credit put spread. Now what? Can you explain the strategy? Professor Co to the rescue. Yeah, if you were assigned on a credit put spread, you actually now own the underlying. And if you still want to be a premium seller, you can now go ahead and start selling calls against it. However, if you are not comfortable owning the underlying, get rid of it. Maybe put on another options trade. All right. Time now for the final call. Carter. Mickey D's. I'm a seller. Mike. Use a broken wing put fly in McDonald's. Broken wing put fly. Yeah. So after that, AMAT, I like setting up short in the SMH into Micron, but if you want to wait and Micron can't go up after its thing, then you sell the SMH. All right. Looks like our time has expired. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks so much for watching. Have a great weekend. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer is up next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.